So we're at the part of the season where everybody's just just given up. I mean, Shatner isn't even acting anymore. He's just a collection of ticks. And the writers are just kind of throwing shit at the at 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 a typewriter. We're going to, you know, we have energy beings, we have, you know, Chekhov's doing stuff and, you know, there's a Klingon and just Scotty doesn't know what to do and it's like it just just the directors are just drunk and just nobody cares. And we're not even that far into the third season. I, it, it, it's it's you don't even know. It is a, this show is a sad parody of what it once was. Yeah, it really is. I mean, Day of the Dove could have been a good episode. I, Both I, of these could have been good episodes. Yeah, true. Absolutely. I think Day of the Dove suffers from third seasonitis in the same way that a lot of the episodes we've seen so far in the third season have, where there's just not that much plot. And the padding is there, and there's long turbo lift rides for no reason, <laughs> and uh, it's a little too on the nose at the very end oh, of it. And we have all of these shots of this like bit of Christmas tinsel, yeah, like, stalking the ship, and we don't need to see that all the time. Here's the thing: like, obviously, the Klingon plot is a mind control plot. I mean, it takes. I mean, we we see this little tinsel monster at the very beginning, so we know that that's really what's causing this. So. The entire time they're worrying about what the Klingons are doing, I don't care because that's not real. Right. And this Tinsel monster is one of the lamest, most uninteresting villains in that we've seen in the entire series. And so Well let's let's think about this for a minute because we have to. It's an energy being. It just sucks. No, I let's let's yeah, yeah. pretend that the energy being is not in the episode because I think that you could have made this a much stronger episode by just making this a power play episode between the Klingons and the the crew of the Enterprise. I mean, think about an episode like Balance of Terror, which you didn't like, but yeah. was really about command and the ability to read a situation and get out of a dangerous situation if you can. And there were no sort of like, I mean, I, I don't want to say they're supernatural elements, but in the sort of like soft sci-fi that is Star Trek, an energy being is kind of a supernatural element. And it's, it's just, and it's specifically an energy being that eats like racism. So, right. Um, so, and I think if you think about it in terms of, of that, where you take that energy being out of this episode and you make it a sort of case study in the Klingon Federation relationship, I, I, I think you could have had a really good episode. Well, you see, I would have changed the point that the episode was trying to make, and it's indecisive on this, and I kind of want, maybe we'll get to that in a second. But the episode they wanted to make is to have this hatred between the Klingons and the, you know, Federation be this kind of old school attitude that's just ingrained in them that you know they just see each other and they are they're cats and dogs. They will always fight, but as civilized people. They can rise above that, and they real have to realize that you know, immediately fighting each other isn't the answer. So they do. It, this is supposed to be one of those situations where it's two opposing sides who have to settle their differences for the, you know, to to, to defeat the common enemy, and that's fine. That's a stock plot for a reason. That's done in a lot of sci-fi and a lot of you know fiction, but then the it, it doesn't. It can't. The show, the episode isn't sure whether this, the, the, whether racism is an inherent part of, you know, the human, you know, we'll say human for the lack of a better, you know, the human psyche or whether it's an outside alien element that's, or whether one exacerbates the other. It can't really tell if it was simply that this being was feeding on an existing hatred like if these people weren't being mind controlled and the well that's the thing that's, though. yeah there like, there is an existing hatred there because the federation and the klingons yeah. were enemies until they say three years ago which and they were only given uh, a, a peace treaty through force of a much pow more powerful uh entity the organians from errand of mercy so yeah. they they're 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 at peace but it's a forced peace continuity and 
also I think you have to look at it in terms of look at what they say when they're on the planet before the energy being is even affecting them, where I think the Klingons say something about, you know, Federation, um, human death camps and things like that. Right. Which I agree. And that's fine. And I definitely can, I can get behind that. That, That's a, you know, use their own, this energy being is feeding on things that already would exist. In other words, you know, we need to get over our stupid hatreds of each other because that makes that that would be fine except they make a big deal about the fact that everyone's being mind controlled into being even more paranoid and so no absolutely and, and, and think... so that's so that kind of corrupts the original theme which is saying like you know it 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 totally takes the responsibility off of the we need to rise above these hatreds theme at the end because we already had it was an outside influence which caused us to think about that but Left alone to our own devices, we were already civilized. I think that you know that that the 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 meaning of the episode is very confused because they can't again they can't decide where it's coming from. Well, I was about to say the 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 episode is very confused, yeah. and and you do say that they have risen above this. I don't think that they really have though, because again, the the Klingons and the Federation are only at peace because the Organians force them to be at peace. The Federation obviously. Uh, we are supposed to identify more with them than the Klingons and the Klingons in the, in the two other appearances in the original series that they've had, they've been portrayed as this warrior race that's interested in fighting and conquest. That is a danger to the Federation. The Federation only fights them because the Klingons are fighting them. Right now, by the and, way, what, is there a difference between Klingons and Romulans as we've seen them so far? Um, I, you know, besides, I don't know. you know, different besides differences in costumes and you know things like that, like they seem to just serve the fundamentally. No, I don't think so. I mean, the, and the, that that's a weakness too. The Romulans are supposed to be more conniving than the Klingons, I think, and they're supposed to be a little more tricky, tri- uh, tricky than the Klingons. But the Klingons are just supposed to be this sort of like Mongol warrior horde. That's true. I guess in what we've seen of the Romulans, is they are just as willing to go through a more uh, a coercive route or to take, you know, they, they know, you know, the Romulan commander we see in the episode, this season, the season, the, the female one, um, she's more than willing to not fight when she can just as easily conquer through, you know, just being nice. And I think, I think in just the appearances of the Romulans and the Klingons that we have seen in the original series, I would be much more inclined to trust the word of a Klingon than I would to trust the word of a Romulan. And if that-, that makes sense. Yeah, especially because the word of the Klingon sounds like... What was that? That's Klingon, right? No. Isn't that Um, how it sounds? And everyone's like, I speak Klingon. That's what it sounds like. Let's leave that aside. (laughs) I think, you know, and the the weird thing about this episode is that the Klingon racial hatred of the Federation or whatever it is, is exacerbated by this energy being, but... I'm not sure that we're not supposed to think that it's there, at least to some degree. Oh, and, yeah. I, again, I'm not. And I'm not just... But but at the same time, there's that scene where uh, Spock, McCoy and Scotty are all at each other's throat and it's getting very heated. And, and then later, you know, when Spock uh, controls himself, he says something like, I, I felt some some racial animosity and I, oh, yeah. I didn't like it. And we are supposed to think that that is not in Spock at all. And that was an exterior thing that was happening to him through the force of this energy being. So what exactly is this, is this thing doing? Is it exacerbating the racial tendencies of, we'll call them, I don't know, humanoids uh, to use a Star Trek term that comes later, or it, are we supposed to think that this is all an external force that isn't there at all? And I don't know which one it's supposed to be, and I don't know that the episode knows. Well, I will say for Spock, from what we've seen of him, I, I, I mean, and, and right after that, they do make a point of telling, you know, Spock, you are half human as a way of calming him down, but also that kind of makes it clear why it was so, why he did get so upset, because he does have that human side of emotions. But the way I generally think of it, because what he's, what, what he's saying is, you know, I, I, if I remember correctly, Scotty is getting, you know, crazy and he's – or was it McCoy? Somebody is insulting Spock and Spock says, oh, this is why I don't like serving on a human ship. And then they that's when they start fighting. The, this theme of Spock as almost a – as an alien to the ship and almost treated as a second class in some ways – is something that comes up again. 
in the episode with the Romulan commander when she says, you know, there are very few opportunities for you to lead your own ship. Uh, and he admits, you know, they do come few and far between. Um, we have seen the problems that Spock has when it when it comes to serving. Now, he may be very good at ignoring those because he figures, oh, well, the opportunities on a Federation ship or, you know, I really do want to just do this for the science and, you know, the responsibilities of daily command are, we'll get into, in, you know, he may have legitimate reasons, but I think that undercurrent does exist in a vestigial form at least. But at the same time, let's not forget that there was a Starfleet ship that was crewed entirely by Vulcans. Yeah, so... but he's, while, but the, the, there's a difference. I A lot of the reason Spock is there is because of Kirk and it may not be really, I, I no matter how much Spock is able to deal with it, I really don't think McCoy's comments every day really are that fun to deal with. You know, it's, it's, well, I, I think that's true, but I, I, and I don't want to get too far into this because it's yeah. not that relevant to the episode. But, but it, we, we, it's so much more fun to psychoanalyze Spock than it is to talk about this episode. <laughs> I'm going to be honest here. <laughs> but I think, you know, McCoy is problematic because McCoy does have elements of racism and xenophobia to him. I don't necessarily agree with you that that's a widespread attitude throughout the crew of the entire Enterprise. It's certainly not an attitude that we have seen from any of the other main cast members. Who are and, calling him, how, which who say that he looks like a dev, the devil on a pretty much every other episode basis. I mean, that that's a very common thing that they talk about. I think him. that they've said that twice, and I think both times that was McCoy. So I'm not sure that that's the best example. It's, Kirk says it at one point. Yeah, but I think he was trying to be funny. Yeah, and, 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 oh, I, 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 it's, again, and it's one of those, And there's, there's Spock takes it in stride as a joke every day, but it's still a joke he's dealing with. That. And there's there's latitude there because because Kirk and Spock are friends. Um, you know, but, but, but anyway, I think, you know, maybe, I don't know. Um, but I think, you know, if we get back to, to the Klingons in this episode, they're very different, I think, in some respects from the Klingons that we have seen before, because we didn't really get a good sense of who the Klingons were in previous appearances besides Mongol warrior race. Yeah. In this episode, there's many more of them. There's, a, we... there's a fat, bald Klingon, which <laughs> I love. Uh <laughs> We, there's there's a female Klingon, which yeah. we have not seen before. We get a lot of scenes that are from the point of view of the Klingons as well, you know, where it's just what they're doing. And there hasn't been as much of that, just the Klingons planning something or the Klingons talking to each other about the situation. And we get – so we – frankly, there's more time to get a sense of their personalities and who they are as as Klingons. Yeah, and it's – it's but it, but again, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense because we don't know – whether or not we're actually seeing what the Klingons think, right? Because of this energy being. And that's and that's why the episode is problematic because I don't know how much of this we can take at face value. Yeah, see I I got I I assumed that they from the by the way the episode ends by the fact that they are able to eventually come to a temporary truce at least by the fact that by the relationship that he does have with his wife and you know what we do see I see a lot of their relationship as genuine. I don't see that as taken up by the energy being. So I do get the sense that though, while they are very warlike, they also aren't completely stupid. You know, they, and I think at the end when I, I think it's best seen at the end when they're trying to get along and the Klingon slaps Kirk on the back a little too hard. Like, I think that gives a lot of the way the Klingons are because he's recognizing all right, I can't show aggression. If I show aggression, I'm going to be worse, but I'm still going to hurt this guy as much as I can while still, you know, putting a smile on this face. I think that's I think that's what a Klingon is as far as this episode is concerned. Yeah, I think that's accurate. And you know, it's it's the 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 end of the episode is interesting because it's viewed as something that is supposed to be funny, but there's this weird undercurrent of I wouldn't say necessarily violence, but there's a definite discomfort there. Well, let's, yeah, let's shoo away the being that feeds on aggression by screaming at it and say how much we hate it and how reprehensible we find it. Like, that didn't make sense to me. Like, I would think that having it hang around. Well, that's not what they were doing. But they were doing some of it. They were laughing at it. They were laughing at it and they were saying, go away. 
they, they, were, they weren't saying I, we don't like you. They were also you know yelling at it. We don't need you here. There was some of that. They did end up laughing. All right, fair point. Um, I don't know. It, but at the very end of the episode, that this is this will tell you, I think maybe a little bit about the what Jerome Bixby was thinking when he wrote this episode. Uh, <laughs> Gee, lunch is coming up soon. No, they <laughs> had to talk him out of ending the episode with a peace march. I, I, I'm I'm sorry. What would the because how, because who would be marching and where? Well, th- okay. So think about this. Yeah, the episode yeah, yeah. is called Day of the Dove. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It aired in 1968 at the height of the Vietnam War. But I, I guess what I'm saying is like footage of a Vietnam era peace march. No, or... like like they would have had a peace march on the Enterprise. <sighs> See, now that would have been one of those great moments, along with when the Yangs pulled out the American flag. Like I, th- I think. I mean, I can only imagine that they would have had signs. They would have had uh, uh, bandanas with peace signs on them. <laughs> I'm picturing the final shot of the Enterprise with a peace sign on its dish. And then you have Jimi Hendrix's version of the Star Trek theme, you know, blaring in the background. Yeah. I would have watched that. Yeah, this episode. We got to see Chekhov almost rape, but Klingon, that was a thing. <sighs> Do we have to talk about that? I think the fact that we haven't talked about that is very disturbing because... I, I, I know he was evil Chuck, evil mind control Chekhov, but if the episode is suggesting that this is exacerbating tendencies that already exist, then basically all of our jo- talking about how the subtext of how Chekhov is rapey was apparently canon, and I really just am not comfortable with that. I think that I don't want to talk about that scene. No. Uh, you know, it's... Neither does the Klingon wife, you know, lady. What science is the Klingon science officer. She's the science officer. That's right. Like, I, I have to say, like, I called her the Klingon wife. That was unfair. She is the science officer. They happen to be married. Yeah, which in a previous episode, one of the Klingons said that they don't have women on their ship. So, you know, okay. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if we're supposed to take this as exacerbating tendencies that only Chekhov has or if it's exacerbating tendencies that everybody on the ship has. Because again, we can go back to the episode being confused about what exactly this energy being is doing. Is it exacerbating tendencies that everyone on the ship has, or is it creating them out of thin air? And I don't know what the answer to that is. Well, I have to be honest about something like it's, you know, they have Scotty who has, we've shown has a temper about certain things. He gets crazy and he attacks Spock. Like that's exacerbating that we have. uh, So, why, if it was just bringing these out of everybody, it's still a really damn coincidence that Chekhov was the one who became rapey. Like, if it was Sulu becoming rapey, I'd say, okay, that's everybody, you know, going crazy. But it's the rapiest one. And 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 the other thing, too, of course, is how do Kirk and Spock decide that they're going to fight against this? Because they do, and they become clear-headed, and then they stay clear-headed through the rest of the episode. Um. And the other question we could ask is what exactly is going on below decks with those 390 trapped crew members? Is it just like a fucking infighting orgy down there? Like what is going on? And the the crew of the Enterprise is half female. So Yeah. I don't know. I just there's It's festival down there, basically. I would I don't know, yeah. I mean And the fact that the Klingon just kind of lets it happen. I think is problematic too, because the show doesn't give us enough information about Klingon females to make that believable. Because if we are just supposed to accept that the Klingons are this sort of proud warrior race, then why would she have put up with that? That's it. Like she's supposed to be seen as very competent and, you know, she does seem very, she, you know, when she screams like, oh, it's a trap. Like she, she doesn't, it seems like she has a personality except when it's not convenient for the, to the show for her to have one. Yes, absolutely. Like at one point, like Kirk just grabs her and she just kind of goes with it. Like, because she wouldn't, but Kirk, you know, they need to be in the next scene together and she doesn't have any primary motivation to go there. So 
they let her be weak for that scene. Like she, it, she's she's not a person so much as she has a plot device. And yeah, let's take this a step further. If we accept that for for the sake of argument that this energy being is just exacerbating tendencies that are already there, Ooh. then she oh. wants to be dominated and raped, or or she feels that that's the you know, you know she's unable to fight back because of a inherent passive streak in women type thing which yeah that that that's actually an excellent point and i think that's really disturbing and what i think is especially weird because one the i have to say this season we have had some very strong female characters so i she does she doesn't seem to belong here even in operation mission earth like you know the secretary was you know had a personality the romulan commander has a personality the Woman in the next episode has a personality. The, uh, uh, the 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 alien lady when she gets the brain dump has a personality. She seems very. Even early earlier season, you know, they gave women roles. Doesn't have it here. She seems to be there as a plot expedient to to do certain things and to get certain characters from scene yeah. to scene, and that's basically what her role is. And it's unfortunate. I mean, it's just it's just flat out unfortunate. And and I don't know that I don't know that the episode needs her to be there because yeah. the the scene with her and Chekhov is is legitimately disturbing. And yeah. it's so disturbing that it kind of colored the rest of the episode for me. Like, yeah, it, it we we've seen that sort of thing happen to Chekhov. Well, I don't want to say happen to Chekhov. We've seen that sort of thing done by Chekhov before, not to that degree, but he certainly does have this, uh, you know, streak in him of being very, very aggressive romantically to the point where someone should have had a talk with him in HR. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I don't know that it's that much of a leap that he would do that, especially. Yeah, that's it. Like, uh, it feels like his. Because let's not, we forgot the other thing about Chekhov as well, is that this energy being put uh, a brother in his head that oh, never yeah. existed that was killed by Klingons. And so if you look at it in terms and of. See, that's, and that's why I'm saying, like, it, it, it doesn't seem to know whether this hatred is normal or not. I guess I would, as, I would assume from that that the fact that I had to manufacture a reason means that he doesn't really feel that way normally towards Klingons. You know, he may just... I wonder if one of the implications is that because Chekhov is much younger than the rest of the cast that he just doesn't have as much of a prejudice. Again, it it was only a few years ago that the Klingons and the Federation formed at least a non-aggression, you know, agreement. So he may just not have as strong of the feelings and so he may not you know really care that much about that they were former enemies but you know the way that we feel about the russians these days for example you know i i never had a oh i don't like russians well i don't like russians either but you know that's for other reasons it's not for cold war reasons um i don't like Chekhov. that's why i don't like russians the point is they have to manufacture that hatred in Chekhov. now towards women i think you know he's yeah as you said hr complaint um i don't know i i i don't like Chekhov, and this episode is not helping that i would agree with that um the last thing i think maybe we can talk about with this episode is the fact that the energy being appears to be almost an exact analog of the energy being from wolf in the fold and how many of these are there because Maybe Starfleet needs to do something about this at this point. Yeah, uh, it, it was very. It was not a villain, as, as you said. It was a plot device. It was a. We need something else because with that we can't figure out how to. Ma- and again, even if it was just a ship malfunction, so you have this, the Klingons and the Federation in for a reason, and they're dealing with a natural disaster. Neutral. They have to eventually. You know, they have fighting between them because they're Klingons and they're humans, but they eventually, of their own accord, realize that, oh, there's, you know... And then, again, that makes... They feel like more, the problem is more the external, this alien, this parasitic entity, is more of the problem than their own hatred. They don't really need to stop feeling that hatred. They just need to pretend. And so they don't really need to work together. I think if there was yeah. a natural thing... 
attacking them then, and they did have to cooperate for that reason. That would be much stronger. That would make the bond much more. I, I it, it would mean more. Yeah, and I think you can really see. I mean, if you can say one thing about the original series in terms of its reliance on these sort of like all powerful beings that forced the protagonist to do certain things you know we've seen this all time and time again yeah that's literally the the writer putting his hand in there arena this episode so you know we i i i I wish that we would have gotten a klingon episode that dealt with this in a more organic fashion that again did not have some sort of energy being forcing them to do certain things because you know, if you look at it in terms of, I, I don't know why the Klingons and the Federation are enemies. I don't really know why they're at peace other than they were forced to be at peace. They're fighting in this episode, but they're being forced to fight. So what sort of relationship do they actually have? And, you know, the Klingons are le- are less a separate species with its own culture and regulations and rules than it is a plot device to be a bat, the bad guys. Yeah, and so it's it's disappointing for that reason, um, and it's also a disappointing episode because it it could have been saying something about the futility of war, and instead it just decided to have another Deus Ex Machina moment and end in a really ridiculous fashion. Well, that's season three, pretty much. Stardate Armageddon. Like I said, he's not acting. He's just ticking all over the place. I will say as a little piece of trivia for something here that you will really appreciate. uh, The uh, actor who plays Kang. Klingon leader guy? Yeah. You remember I don't know any of these characters' names. Also played Elric the Technomage in that episode of Babylon 5. What? Oh, my God. Episode, you would love that. Episode. I know it's so awful. Yeah, that doesn't even have like a, a, a science fiction dragon or something like that. Oh, uh-huh. that was great. great Spoilers time. for a show that we're not talking about. Oh man, let's uh, watch Babylon Five instead. I would rather watch season one of Babylon Five than this. I would rather watch season five of Babylon Five than more Star Trek season three. That's a high thing to say. I know. Let's end this on a high note. Chekhov gets tortured at the beginning of this yeah! episode. So there you go. Ten tribbles. All right. Uh, this episode, no, nine tribbles because he doesn't get tortured after the rape. This is probably – I don't even know. This, I, the third season is so difficult. A you five. don't even give – I'm not even giving this tribbles. I'm giving it like two like balled-up socks that I like just use a magic marker and said like, oh, it's a tribble. And they'd be like, I'll pay you $50 for it. Like that's what I'm giving this. I'll just get the hell out of here. All right. And move on to For the World is Hollow, and I am Fiona Apple. For the World is Hollow, and I have touched the sky. And 20 years later, you finished the title. Longest title of any episode of any Star Trek show. Wow. And again, this could have been good. I'm into generation ships, and... That's the motto for the third season. It could have been good. Yeah, I mean, there was... McCoy had a plot, and... Okay, this was an interesting episode, because it sides with, you know, Kirk and Spock, who are complete assholes in this episode. Like... How so? Uh, the fact that they go in, ruin a culture because they want to. And I think this episode makes it clear that Kirk and Spock, just anytime they see something they don't like, they'll destroy it. We've been seeing that before, but the only thing that, okay, so there is this asteroid that's really a spaceship and it's on a collision course with another world that's happening. Kirk and Spock immediately decide, all right, this thing needs to be stopped. They don't even, for a show that talks about diplomacy from time to time and how we need to rise above violence, they don't even consider the option of talking to the computer and saying, look, you are on a collision course with this planet. It's inhabited. It's, you know, 
the computer may genuinely not have known that. And you know, if the other... it set, uh, if it could have set off before civilization even happened on that planet. And you're you're missing something else entirely, which is that the entire purpose of this generational ship is to land on the planet so that they can start again. Why are we assuming that? It's on a collision course. They, okay, they yeah. thought it was on a collision course when it wasn't. When they thought it was an oh, asteroid. Okay, no, so but, I missed that. But, but they, now that we they know it's a it's an actual spaceship with a computer controlling it. Yeah. Why are they still assuming that it's on a collision course and that it is going to crash into the planet and kill everyone on the planet and the ship? Yeah. Again, That's when obviously they s- not what the people who built the ship intended for it to happen. It's much more likely. That the yeah. thing is just going to go into orbit or land in some fashion. Yeah, and again, the problem with it is that this planet is inhabited already. If it's a generation ship that's been going for 10,000 years, again, it's possible that they did not know that this planet was inhabited. The, the, what they should have done was talk to the computer and say, look, here's six other planets. They will be happy to. You know, they're within Federation space. The Federation will open its arms to you people. You know, it's... I think they say at the end it's within a year of landing, so they were they're going to find out about the truth about their planet anyway. And Why other... does Kirk, you know, Kirk and Spock because he's because the computer is disciplining them? Well, I'm sorry, you tell a bunch of people, hey, your world isn't fucking real. You're on a spaceship, and you know you're just expected to live and die, so that you know your ancestors can have their. Re- That's not going to make people on the ship happy. I think this thing is keeping discipline. For a reason, this is a very specific universe. There, There's a lot to unpack there. I think the first thing to mention is at the very end of this episode, they do make a point of saying that when the ship arrives at Darren 5, yeah. they're, they're going to let the ship go there, even though there are three and a half billion people on the planet. They may have opinions about whether or not they want this civilization to yeah. set up shop on their planet. They probably don't want it. Uh the other thing I think that is really interesting and important to note is um, let's talk about the Oracle. What What is the purpose of the Oracle? Because the the generational ship is set up as a, a fake world inside something that looks like an asteroid. We assume for camouflage purposes. Well, I don't really know. But Whatever. Let's go with it. And so... The Oracle. I mean, maybe it is a literal asteroid that's just going through a in a course. Maybe that would be the most, you know. Yeah, maybe. I mean, that could be. Sure. There's, you know, it's. It. I'm. I had no problem with why it looked like an asteroid. Frankly, that that was not what I got stuck on. It looks. It looks like an asteroid because it looks like an asteroid, and let's just go with it. Uh, And the real reason it looks like an asteroid is probably more because they didn't want to build another. They didn't have the budget to build another ship. Yeah. And they had an asteroid lying around from another episode. (laughs) So there we are. Uh, But, you know, the 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 Oracle, I think, is 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 one of the more problematic elements of this episode, because why exactly would the Fabrini decide to build a generational ship so that they could preserve their culture and their race? when their son went Nova and the way that they decide to do this is to construct a ship, which mm. has an Oracle set up to some God that I guess they believe in and uh, treats them all like children. That's true. Cause at the end, what they... would be the point of that instead of just yeah. making a generational ship staffed with people that know the score. And after 10,000 years, they still know the score because they were went off went to school. I don't get it. I I would assume that there is some. It, it, it's problematic on the people who created the first generation ship because it locks subsequent generations into that original plan. As in, it would be possible for a population who was living on this ship to decide, you know, something. This ship world that we're living in is fine. Why don't we just? you know, figure out how to control this and move that from... I mean, that could be a legitimate way that the t- culture decides to go. Well, What well, I think is they want... They're, they're considering... The original creators of this ship are considering this ship as a mode of stasis. Remember, they have this book that contains everything of the Fabrini culture, which they say they're going to be... Yeah, and I'm yeah, rolling well, my eyes right now. Well, you know, uh, we're going to... Pre, I'm pretending it's that thingy from the Spock Lady Brain episode. Like, it's the equivalent of that, and that could have made much more sense, by the way. But, whatever. Um, 
so they're basically putting the people into stasis with no ma- major culture until they get onto the planet and then they become Fabrinis again. I think that was part of the intent, but what is the purpose of that? Like, and 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 why would that even work? Like, because let's pretend that you are the I don't know twentieth generation of people that were raised on what you consider to be a planet. You have no idea it's not a planet. Oh my God, symbolic of the world, man. And then suddenly you arrive and they're like, oh, open this book now. Oh, you know what? You're actually a Fabrini. Here's a bunch of shit you have to know about our culture. You know, this is what kind of food we eat. This is our language. Um, This is the kind of TV shows we like to watch. And this is how most people have sex and whatever. I mean, that and, would be great to. And then why would yeah. they assume that these people would just go, oh, okay, well, you know, we've got our own thing going here and we've had our own thing going now for 10,000 years of recorded history. So, okay, we'll just become Fabrini. And, it would be things like, you know, yes, certainly we learn some brand new recipes and we get new, I mean, they get metal technology that they're able to use. So, certainly all these new technologies that, by the way, you have a people who was not have not learned to make an ethical system around these technologies. And so you essentially are giving people who do not – have not had – I mean we had to teach ourselves the ethics around the atomic bomb, for example. And, and we, we still haven't done a very good job of it. Exactly. Imagine a, cult, a culture that can c- cure this mystical alien disease can certainly have weapons technology that's so much more powerful than that that – you know, they can't even begin to conceive of the ramifications of this. I mean, this is another – everybody's wrong in this case. This is just not a I, – I, I think that this episode has clarified something for me and our discussion has clarified something for me in that a lot of the third season episodes that we have seen so far are – bad in ways that we sort of haven't been able to figure out yet. And I think the reason why is that most of the plots of these episodes are focusing on the wrong things. Yeah. And what, what this really feels to me like is the third season of a show, which has decided instead of being sort of like this smart science fiction show, I mean, let's not forget that we had, fucking harlan ellison write an yeah. episode in the first season to become much more of a pulp science fiction sort of show yeah and so the 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 people that are writing the the scripts for the third season i mean and and for for the world is hollow and i have touched the sky is a perfect example uh it has this very poetic title Hmm. It seems like it's going to be a very interesting episode just and, based on the title. By the and, way, yeah, the scene where the old man is making that speech that the title comes from, that's a great scene. That was very well done. Yeah, totally. He's a very he's probably one of the he's a very interesting character. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, continue. And 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 the thing is that the show has become pulpy and the show has become a show where They're not interested in the more intellectual aspects. Mm. I mean, Star Trek in the first two seasons was always interested in the intellectual and sort of societal aspects of this. And yes, you had your fight scenes and you had your goofy music and stuff, but that was your sugar with your medicine, right? And now, now the show is all sugar and no medicine. And I think that's really what the problem is. I mean, if this had been an episode more like Return of the Archons uh, or 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 a, a taste of Armageddon, where you had a computer who was controlling people. Kirk and Spock had to figure out what was going on. Dis, you know, making a conscious decision. Yeah. You know, do we? I mean, there's no uh, examination of of the morality of letting the ship land. Well, or that's not. it. They figured they that. don't. They yeah. don't talk about the 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 people on Darren Five as anything to worry about. Like none of this makes really any weight whatsoever and instead you get these long long scenes where mccoy and the, and the female the head of whatever are in love apparently for whatever reason because the plot demands it and it's not good well a lot of it is based on the fact that they believe that you know the computer that controls this ship is evil because computers that control ships are evil it's a tautology that they have it i got I bought why, you know, McCoy and this woman fall in love. From McCoy's perspective, he has less than a year to live. He's going to start 
not doing as good a job at his job. He wants to make sure that the Enterprise, you know, is in capable medical hands. You know, we, Kirk says that he's already, you know, started to hunt for a replacement at that point. So for McCoy, this is essentially a hospice for McCoy. Here is a beautiful woman who basically says, look, you know, I, I, I feel we have a genuine chemistry here. And, you know, it's going to be sad if we only have a year, but... We're going to have a really great year at that. I mean, but, but who wouldn't take that position? Yeah, I know. Totally. Intellectually, that makes sense to me entirely. But but think about it in terms of Edith Keller and Kirk, right? From uh, uh, City on the Edge of Forever. Yeah. That felt like a much more organic relationship. Well, yeah. They actually had chemistry. And she's a good actress. I was going to say, that was better writing, better acting, frankly. That was... You know, Shatner at that point, I would say, is a better actor than, um, what's his name, uh, you know, now. I, I think Shatner and uh, Joan Collins just genuinely as actors had a better chemistry between them. And that's the thing. I mean, Shatner is not a bad actor by any means. He, he just he, – He's given up. in the third. Yeah, he's given up in the third season entirely. He's They've just, all given he's, up. He's hamming it up just because he's trying to, to, to give some sort of interest to, to really poorly written lines. <laughs> Um, and so that's why I have an issue with the the romantic relationship between McCoy and this woman, not because I don't think that McCoy would go for no, it. No, that, that, you're right. That makes sense. I do think he would go for it. I just think the script doesn't earn it. Well, that's it. The, the, I had to, I, I, I accept that they had, you know, they had this relationship and they had these motivations because, you know, I kind of had to, because the script was, you know, the show was telling me they did. And again, that wasn't the biggest problem that I had with the script, so I didn't want to get bogged down in that. Um, but what, what, what? Again, this is going with the lack of diplomacy thing because the Oracle knows that you know McCoy knows what the world is. The Oracle probably knows McCoy's exact situation. Knows that you know he's not going to really care about you know, telling the truth to these people because he just kind of wants to have a happy year. Yeah. Um, and by the way, it is roughly within a year that the ship is supposed to land. Yeah. I you, know, you, I, you did catch the, I noticed that <laughs> too. Yeah. Um, so why doesn't McCoy ask for, you know, tell the Oracle, look, here's this, here's just, by the way, when you land, here's the situation where, with the planet, you know, he's accepted, Oracle Doctrine as good because he knows that that's what he needs in order to get this year. So why doesn't he figure out a way that if anybody could have saved the day in the happiest possible way, it could have been McCoy. Yeah, that's true. But what he does is he calls his buddies Kirk and Spock to fuck everything up. I am starting to believe that the Federation isn't very good, and it's bothering me that the show doesn't seem to realize this. Explain that. Because, again, the show doesn't even – all of the – this, what I'm getting from that is what I'm reading into it is me deconstructing the show is um, from the episode with uh, the blind woman, you know, to realize that the show is on the, – the, that she's reacting to, to some probably genuine threats – the show doesn't realize that. The show is on Kirk and Spock's side, and they're starting to do a lot of morally questionable things. We saw this in the one with the gigantic snake computer where he just kind of goes and says, I don't like this, but now he's getting even less justifiable. Well, I will say that I think his actions in this episode are more justifiable than the ones in the Apple because in the Apple he totally was just like, I don't like this. This isn't good, so I'm going to end your way of life. Because you do, you do have to realize that there is that scene in "For the World Is Hollow" and I have touched the sky, and I just keep saying that because I love saying that title. <laughs> it's the best thing about it. it. You know where where there's that interminably long scene where he basically rehashes the plot of the episode that we just watched for the past thirty five or forty minutes. <laughs> you know, shaking the woman, powerful manning her again, and saying, "Look, look, look! This is not a world. This is a ship. This is what's up." Your oracle is lying to you, whatever he says. You have to believe this because you are going to crash on a planet and you are going to kill a lot of people. So I don't necessarily think that Kirk is not morally justifiable in his actions in this episode, or at least some of them, because he does at least realize that 
the you know 50,000 people that yeah. live on this planet well not really a planet but you know what i mean yeah, yeah, yeah. are 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 of lesser importance than the three and a half billion people that live on darren five and you know is there a better way that he could have done this probably yeah uh because he he decides that the most expedient way to do this is to steal the book of secrets and to do what with it i don't even know i guess figure out how to open the oracle and then he's totally appropriated the knowledge of a culture that is not even allowed to know its own secrets i mean i i think that i find very troubling yeah yeah Yeah. but I, i guess what i'm saying i guess it's his motivations are justifiable but his actions might not be he goes towards what he does in the episode. His actual path, his plan, is should have been a later resort than it is. He kind of goes for the, you know, bang zoom solution before trying the more subtle one. And I know this is Kirk we're dealing with, of course, but if you want subtlety, you have to wait for Picard. Of course, <laughs> but at the same time, I think, I think you could have had that character. And yet have the show not necessarily condone it. You know, he could, you know, it, the the show seems to think that, well, it's totally all right that, you know, Kirk just went in and did that because he was right in the end and he, in the ends justify the means and everything's fine. The show didn't, doesn't make any concessions to the fact that there maybe there should have been another thing. And again, given that a lot of these episodes you know stress that the violent solution isn't the best one and that you should go for the diplomatic one the fact that they didn't seem to seemed very out of character for the show yeah and i i i don't disagree with you and i think a lot of that has to do with again third season itis yeah that's it it's it's i could see a much better episode that would have dealt with that theme absolutely and i think we did see much better episodes that dealt with this in, in much more thoughtful ways. And I think if you can say anything about this episode, it is, is that it is not thoughtful. Yeah. He doesn't even begin to make a thing of that. Well, we got to destroy this because, you know, this is a culture. And if he had said, you know, well, this book should belongs to these people and this knowledge belongs to these people. It's their birthright. And I'm doing this yes to save those people, but also because, these people deserve to know their own culture and this at, is a culture in stasis and at, you know at the end of well at the end of the day though to play devil's advocate a little bit he does again try to explain the situation to to that their leader and she basically doesn't buy it doesn't want to talk to the oracle and kirk knows that he can't talk to the oracle yeah. because you know you said well why doesn't he talk to the oracle well he can't because the oracle will punish him um so what other option does he have, right? His his options are basically to destroy Yanata and, and to kill all the people that live there uh, or to steal the book and to figure out how to get the Oracle to talk to him. I, you know, it's kind of a tough, it's kind of a tough of choice. Of course. Again, I, I, I think giving this, giving it a better couple of rewrites and having these questions asked and addressed would have made a it would have been a really good episode yeah i i i i want to stress i don't i don't really like this episode but i don't hate it yeah and you know i think you know i would i would caution uh you and me too not to let the fact that we're in the third season color uh your view of these episodes if it's possible um no, but I was just I for every I, good concept the episode had, I was bored for a lot of it. Oh yeah, absolutely. So th- it, it's, it's, it's not it's not a very good episode at all. But I have I have like third season episodes. You know, I like the Romulan lady one. Yeah, true. So I true. like the blind lady one. True. And I liked uh, the lady in this one. I think. I don't understand a lot of the women characters in the third season because they just sort of feel like they could have been in. in I mean, they're basically interchangeable i you know i well it's the same character every single what, time what is the difference between between the female leader of the united people and the female klingon in day of the dove well the female klingon in day of the dove was terribly written they're they're even wearing the same makeup well you know they really only had just a 16 year old girl on the staff who was like somebody's cousin and she like wanted to break into makeup and she would do it for like lunch and some bubble gum and that's how Moon Unit Zappa got in the album. The last 
question that I want to ask you about this episode, and then we can we can end it. Oh, thank God. <laughs> is, you know, we, we talked a little bit about the Fabrini and, and their conception of the Yonata and how this was going to work and what was going to happen when the Yonata got to the planet. But my question for you is, is the episode not questioning that or is are we supposed to assume that the Fabrini are not questioning that concept? Because why wouldn't the people on the Yonata freak the fuck out when the Oracle is like, oh, yeah, your entire civilization is a lie. You're not on a planet. I am not actually the Oracle of your God. And this is your new home. You're actually Fabrini's. Like that to me seems like that would cause massive social unrest. Oh, yeah. Would not be good for the Fabrini culture. Well, we don't know really much about this oracle, frankly, at the end of the day. I would say that it's it's equally likely to assume that that's how it was programmed as it originally they did have a Fabrini culture and then slowly over these 10,000 years evolved into this like maybe this is a cultural offshoot and that the computer did slowly get more and more controlling over time so are you saying that the oracle is a sentient computer that is a rogue controlling freak it could be but i again the episode doesn't give us episode doesn't give us enough information to decide whether it was programmed that way or whether it just pulled a how yeah, that could be. That could be. And I guess at the end of the day, this episode is filled with a lot of questions that should have been asked. Yeah. Uh, I was about to say answered, but they, they, they can't be answered because they weren't even asked. Again, it feels like a first draft. Just he ha- I, They had a really interesting concept because as a concept, this is a very interesting episode. Um, again, I really like the concept of generation ships, but it just kind of forgot because uh, so many we've said they haven't felt like they haven't been rewritten rewritten i just they didn't put the care into this this is a very carelessly written script yeah i would agree with that yeah so it gets five triples because potential but squandered i don't remember how many triples i gave is there in truth no beauty but i want to give this episode one more than that because I like it a little more than that episode, but not much more. And I really do not like Is There in Truth No Beauty. I know you did not like that. Because that episode is fucking boring. I liked that episode, but for re- listeners who don't know our opinions, you can visit us on the web and listen to our previous episode where we talk about it. Yep, you can. Um, all right, so next week we are going to talk about the Tholian Web and Plato's Stepchildren. Oh, no. 